0: And uh, primarily, I want us to look at verses 5 to 8 of uh, of James chapter 1. And uh, if I had a title for my sermon, it it would be, What We Lack, He Doesn't. I think that's my encouragement to you, because this evening I'm going to be talking about what we lack. I wonder if I was to ask you that question, what your response would be. What is it in your life that you're lacking? What is it in your life that you just don't have? Well, since last time I visited you, you are not lacking a pastor, which is a great encouragement uh, to us at Libanus, who've been praying for, for, uh, for quite a while now that, uh, that God would call the right man. I wonder in your personal lives, what are you lacking? If you ask the average person that, people would say, what I'm lacking is more money. it would be great, wouldn't it, to have more money? That's what I'm lacking. What I'm lacking is recognition. Maybe you feel like in your workplace or in your home life or whatever it is, people just don't acknowledge how much you give. Maybe you're lacking recognition for what you do. I wonder what do you think you are lacking? Because today I want us to look at three areas in our Christian life where we might actually find ourselves lacking. Where we might actually find ourselves wanting and desiring more. Where in our Christian lives we might need to be challenged and corrected. Now you already might be thinking, settle in, get ready, brace yourselves, This is going to be the most depressing 30 minutes or so of my life. However, it's not designed to be depressing. It's not designed to be accusatory. And I don't think, uh, in what James is saying, I don't think that's the intention of the writing either. What this is designed to do, it will highlight our weaknesses. It will highlight areas of our lives where we are spiritually lacking. But my intent is not to make you feel miserable. I do that unintentionally. But my intent is not to make you feel miserable. My intention this evening is to remind you, whatever your weaknesses, whatever your difficulties, whatever your struggles, however you feel, your God remains the Almighty all-powerful, sovereign, reigning God. You might feel like you are lacking. You might feel like you are struggling and lost. But God is faithful. God is true. God is always the mighty protector. And so whatever you are lacking, God is not lacking. Rest upon him. Lean into him. It's not just about you. It's not just about your abilities or what you do or your spiritual life. But isn't it great to come to a prayer meeting where we pray to a God who is more wise than us, who is more powerful than us? The whole point of a prayer meeting is that we come to ask of one who is greater than us. What an encouragement! It is not in our strength or ability or in your your new pastor's ability to build this church. But we go to God. And I've got three very simple points. And uh, each one of my points is something that we might be lacking. We read in the passage, if anyone lacks wisdom. My first point is that there's a lack of wisdom. Wisdom. The Bible phrases this as a question which I think is is really nice it's very generous I think looking around this room I wonder if I can guess who's lacking wisdom and who isn't now I'm not going to go one by one individually and, and try and guess who I think is lacking wisdom and who isn't but I will preface what I say with this I think there are times and situations and areas where all of us have lacked wisdom. I don't think this is the type of verse where we can go, oh, I know who he's talking about. I know who Sam's having to go at tonight. This is one of those verses that is all inclusive. Who here can say, in every situation, I have done the wisest possible action? That's certainly not me in any area of my life. And I'm sure it's not you either. All of us we respond and react to different situations sometimes we do it well sometimes we do it less well sometimes we do it terribly and we act in very unwise ways all of us i think can say that there have been times in our lives where we acted without thinking where we needed to rely on the wisdom of god but instead acted on our own thinking and our own thoughts and that got us into terrible mess. The dictionary definition of wisdom is the ability to discern or judge what is true, right or lasting. I think that's a beautiful definition, that wisdom is the ability to discern or judge what is true, right and lasting. And I don't think any of us can honestly or truthfully say that in everything we've done, we've always acted and done what is true, what is right, or what is lasting. However, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, who lived on this earth, who did everything that was right who spoke and said everything that was true, whose ministry was lasting, eternal. You see, we are not perfect. We are not inerrant. We are not always wise. But there is one who is. Jesus Christ, in his life, lived a perfect life. And as Christians, our message is not, we're going to get better. And sometimes people often look at the book of James as being a lot of practical rules and a lot, a lot of practicalities and a lot of doing. Oh, I have to go through this book and there's loads of things that I have to do. But actually, I think the book of James is more about because of the man, Jesus Christ, because of the Lord, Jesus Christ, our lives should change and should be different. It's about Christ. It's about what he's done. And if you know Jesus Christ, if you are a Christian in this room today, then I encourage you to lean on him. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but so often I lack wisdom in easy decisions. It doesn't take a difficult, hard pastoral decision for me to act unwisely. Sometimes something can be really straightforward, really obvious, And I can still act unwisely. But I want you to be aware. And I don't want to lie to you and I don't want to pretend everything's easy and okay because the reality is life is hard. Life is complicated. The world is complicated and it's getting more and more complicated. As Christians, living in this world is difficult. And we need great wisdom to navigate parenting, to navigate work, to navigate work colleagues, university, big life decisions, illnesses, caring for elderly parents. In all of our life, wouldn't we want to be people that can say, in our lives, we are trusting and leaning on the wisdom that comes from God not on our own understandings. If anyone lacks wisdom, I love that because it's a question and there's also going to be, as we'll follow through in James, a solution and an uh, an answer to that. If anyone uh, lacks wisdom, oh well, good luck, you're going to struggle to navigate the shores of life. That's not what the Bible says. There is hope and confidence For us. And we have hope and confidence because of who our God is today. Who who our God was in the past and who our God will forever be. Proverbs 2 verse 6 says this. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom because he is unrestrictedly wise. The Lord is wise and so he can give wisdom as the only one who is wise. When we feel that we don't know where to go, when we feel that we don't know what direction to turn in, is our God not with us? Part of the divine character of our great God is surely wisdom. And so we can lean on him in difficult times if we lack wisdom, it's not tough. It's not get over it. It's not good luck. If we lack wisdom, verse 5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. My second point is sometimes I feel like we as Christians have A lack of asking. Sometimes I don't think we go to God enough. I like to remind, uh, well most churches I preach at, to be honest, I like to remind them, did you know you can pray not just at prayer meetings? Did you know that? Some Christians don't know that. They think we have to come in this building on particular time to pray. Great freedom we have as Christians. That at any time, at any moment, in any struggle or difficulty, we can approach the Holy One in prayer. The mighty God listens to our ramblings, Listens to our problems. Listens to our struggles and difficulties and weaknesses. When we feel like the world is pressing down on us. When we feel lost or dazed and confused. Ask. Let him ask God, go to him. It's really that simple. But the problem is how often do we neglect to turn to God in prayer? How often do you go, well, I'm going to try and solve this issue. And then you you try something and that doesn't work. And so you try something else and that doesn't work. And you're making the issue worse and worse. And then eventually you go, I'm going to pray. I wonder sometimes whether prayer is our last resort instead of our first response. As Christians, we are free to ask God for anything. Now, you are either a child in this room, or you are somebody that used to be a child. And so I'm sure you can relate to this. When I was a child, I would ask my parents for anything and everything. If I wanted something... I was asking my parents whether I could have it, and I heard the word no an awful lot. But I sometimes wonder whether we as Christians can wrongly think that there is a sense of, well, I don't need to bother God with this, I'm going to deal with this on myself. A a pride or an arrogance that thinks, I won't bother the Almighty, I'll, I'll deal with this by myself. I think we need a more childlike faith, where in anything and everything, we go to God and we ask. I wonder, are we quick to ask him? Very often, uh, with the the people I know, I'll be out with somebody and they'll walk in with a cup of tea. And uh, if you know anything about me, you'll know I I am very fond of a cup of tea, I'll say that. And so somebody will walk in with a cup of tea, and my first response, sometimes I think it, and sometimes I'm rude, so I'll just say it anyway. I, they walk in with a cup of tea, and I go, you didn't ask me if I wanted a cup of tea? And they'll say, well, you didn't ask. You didn't ask for a cup of tea. Friends, are we are people that go to God regularly and ask. I encourage you to. We're going to have a time of prayer later. And what is prayer? There's lots of attributes for prayer, but one of them is asking. Asking for his blessing. Asking for God's involvement. Asking for God to be present. The hymn writer writes in a very uh, very famous hymn about a different issue other than wisdom, but I think it's relevant. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Friends, I encourage you in whatever situation, go to God. Turn to him. Ask God for wisdom in dealing with difficult issues. Do not let God be the last person you go to. Make sure he is the first person you turn to. And I think the difficulty is sometimes we we have this impression that we're bothering the divine. That God is God. He's sustaining all things. He's keeping everything afloat. And so he doesn't care about us. He doesn't want us to approach him. He, He sometimes gets a bit busy. He's probably doing something else. My burdens are probably too small for God to care. Friends, never get into that thought. Verse 5 says, let him ask God. If we believe in the, iner- in the perfect inerrancy of Scripture, if we believe that the Bible is God's word for all people for all times, if we believe that the true uh, inspiration of Scripture is the Holy Spirit, if we believe that these are words of God, When James writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, what he is saying is, God lets you approach him in prayer. God wants you to go to him and ask for wisdom in dealing with great situations. Sometimes in in work situations or, or even sometimes in your marriage, you might feel that you don't want to ask or bother somebody. And sometimes you'll go up to them and you'll say the, the very stupid thing. Never say this to anyone because you open yourself up for failure. Maybe you go up to somebody and you say, can I ask you a question? And they say no. And then you go, I've got no idea what I do next. I have got no, and sometimes you just go, I'm just going to walk away. I, I don't know how to respond. But with God, there is a welcome invitation. God never says you cannot ask. For more wisdom, God cannot say, You cannot enter into my presence and speak. And so, if this is the message from God, if this is the God that we have, that we can approach him in prayer, the question is surely, Why are we so slow to pray? Maybe we've forgotten the beauty, maybe we've forgotten the open invitation. I think maybe one of the other issues when it comes to prayer and when it comes to asking for God is that, and I think it's certainly in my generation and uh, maybe generations subsequently, we are an instant now, now, now generation. And sometimes God chooses not to answer things immediately. And maybe that's why we don't go to God in the same way. I've got at my uh, fingertips, I've got the, uh, the power to Google anything. And it will tell me an answer. It might be wrong, it might be right. Uh, sometimes it's 50-50 with the internet. But I've got the power to research anything at any time. The, the amount of information and power we've got on the internet is amazing. But if my internet goes and I lose signal for four seconds, it is the end of my life. I'm so impatient. I want everything now. And perhaps through prayer, God is teaching us patience. God has the power to answer you instantly, immediately. But sometimes in his infinite wisdom, he answers in a way you might not expect. And sometimes he might even answer in a time you might not expect. And sometimes that now, 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 I have to act. I have to do something. Maybe that's hindering your prayer life. And friends, I want to say, is God's timing not sufficient? Is God's timing not perfect? You can trust him when you turn and go to him in prayer. That all things in good time. The hymn that we sung reminded us a little bit of that earlier. But I'll end this point by uh, just reading verse 5 again as a reminder. That if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. Sometimes I don't want to ask somebody a question because I know the answer. And the answer is going to be no or no and get lost. Sometimes it's how dare you ask that. But God is a God who gives generously. And so if somebody is somebody who gives generously, why would we not ask? I think so often in our lives, we need to remind ourselves who God is. The one who welcomes us. The one who delights when his people pray. That's who our great God is. That's the God that we've come to talk to and communicate with this evening. The God who says, let them ask the prayers of your heart, ask for wisdom. Ask God, go to him. And then finally, the the third thing we read is that we are to ask in faith without doubting, verse 6. Well, that's easy, isn't it? I'm glad that, uh, that James has mentioned that. How difficult is this to navigate? Ask in faith. My third point, as you've probably guessed, is sometimes we have a lack of faith. Even as Christians, sometimes we struggle with situations. Sometimes we struggle in navigating life. Sometimes our faith wanes. Sometimes there's doubts in our mind. Maybe sometimes we think, "Look, I, I know God has been faithful." I know he's never let me down before, but can he intervene in this situation?" And I think you, uh, the best way I've heard this described, asking in faith without doubting, is to ask believing that God can answer and that God will answer. I wonder if that's the way we pray when we gather in prayer meetings like this, do we pray believing that God can answer and that God will answer? God might not answer in the way that we would like. God might not answer in the way that we'd expect. But do we believe that God is going to answer our prayers? And what's even better about that is sometimes God answers our prayers. Well, actually, I was Let's not be heretical. I would say that God answers our prayers every time in a way that is better than what we've thought. That is the God that we are approaching tonight in prayer, that we are to ask him in faith, and he will answer. Every prayer that we pray tonight, prayers in your heart, prayers you pray out loud, every prayer that you pray this week as a Christian, God can answer and will answer. That's astounding, isn't it? And I would like to remind you, sometimes no is an answer. But isn't that wonderful? My God listens to my voice. My God hears me. But the problem is, my human sinful heart, though I have I'm a new creation, though I am redeemed. The old man, the fleshly side of me, we struggle in faith. Verse 6 says, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Tossed by the wind. There's so many different ideas that we are exposed to. It reminds me a little bit, um, I think it's in Ephesians where we're warned about um, every wind of false doctrine. It reminds me a little bit about that. That we need to be careful, that we need to make sure that our faith is grounded in Jesus Christ. The unchanging, the true, the faithful. Ground ourselves in Jesus Christ so that no wind can blow us off course so that we never lose our direction, that we never lose our sight. Ground yourself in him. The Bible uses the illustration of uh, the wave as being almost moved uncontrollably by the wind. And perhaps part of Christian wisdom is keeping away and distancing ourselves from things that might develop or create doubt within us. Things that would weaken our faith. Things that are bad for our faith. Things that would pull us away from the Lord. Things that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Sins that we commit. Maybe part of uh, wisdom in, uh, in Jesus Christ is abstaining and getting far away from and fleeing from, as elsewhere in Scripture, these temptations and dangers. Saying, I don't want to be caught up in these difficulties. And verse 8 goes even further than verse 6. Talking about somebody who doubts. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. I think that's really interesting. It's really challenging. That if the person who doubts is unstable in all of their ways. You might be thinking, James, that's a little bit harsh. Maybe they're just unstable in the little thing they're doubting about, but, but not all. Come on, be a, be a little bit nicer, be a little bit more complimentary. Maybe they're not unstable in, in everything. The Bible is saying here that if there is doubt or unbelief in our lives, it affects every area of our lives. Doubt and unbelief is not something contained to one little area, but it spreads and pollutes and impacts our whole being. I think what James is really saying here is that if we doubt in one area, perhaps every area of our life is in danger of being affected. Friendships, work, family lives. It's a very bold claim. It's a very serious statement. But how can the Bible make such a statement? How can the Bible say someone who doubts in Jesus Christ is unstable in all of their ways? How can Scripture say such a thing? I think it's because of this. Because faith in Jesus Christ is that important. Because faith is more important than anything. And there is nothing more vital than believing upon Jesus Christ. A Christian life with which Jesus has not changed or began to change is not really a Christian life. When Jesus Christ uh, comes into our life, when we are regenerated, when we are made alive in him, every area of our lives are beginning to be changed, beginning to conform to him. And different areas, in terms of sanctification, different areas take different amounts of time and all of us will be on a lifelong journey but one day we will awake in the glory of heaven all those who trusted in Christ will be forgiven restored in new resurrection bodies unmarred unpolluted by sin but for now Christ is at work in your life If you're a christian he's at work within you he is an all-consuming god and it's very important to note as we uh, as we begin to close that when we talk about a lack of faith and doubting that in a a good church like this there's never anyone in this room who suffers with uh, doubts do we We're, we're a good bible believing church we don't doubt is anyone out there in those uh, other, other churches that doubt? In this church, there's, none of us experience any doubts, do we? In our Christian life, life is hard. And there will be times when we doubt. Maybe we don't doubt God's existence or things like that, but we will doubt, Lord, will you get me through this? Lord, is this really the best plan that you have for my life? Lord, are you really there as tears are rolling down my face, as I don't know where to turn? Lord, is this really the best plan for my life? We all have doubts and issues like that. And I think one of the issues with sometimes the uh, the evangelical church at large, one of the issues I think is that Because we all put on a suit and tie and we're all very nice and we're all very respectable, sometimes we're not honest with each other. Sometimes we're not honest with with our pastor. Sometimes we're not honest with each other. And I think sometimes we need to talk to one another and say, you know what? God is doing a work in my life, but I'm struggling with it. And it is good to share and to be prayed for. Sometimes I think one of the greatest fears and one of the greatest issues in the Christian church is respectability. That we do not speak to one another about real life because we are hiding our doubts and our lack of faith. Instead of addressing them, instead of dealing with them, we seek to hide them and to put them away. And so in this situation, as many of us will face or many of us have faced a lack of faith i'm reminded of uh, the verse in uh, in mark 9:24 and uh, mark 9:24 is about a, a father who whose child is demon possessed and so he takes uh, his son to jesus and this is what uh, mark 9:24 says Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. What an honest cry of a a father in great distress. And I think it's something many of us as Christians would admit that it sums up what we feel and what we experience so well, doesn't it? Lord, I believe you i know who you are such an honest prayer i know who i'm trusting in i know who i'm believing in but i know my own weakness i know my own heart i know you are faithful i know you are good i know that god will never cast me off once he has drawn me to himself i know that but i'm struggling to know it in my life what a great prayer to pray for somebody experiencing issues i believe help my unbelief and i'm going to end my sermon and i'll end my uh, my third point really in the same way i've ended all of the points that where we struggle in any area where we are lacking our god is not our god is sufficient our god is the ever faithful 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will be true to all of his promises. God will uphold all of his promises. But no promise is greater than this one. Salvation, forgiveness, cleansing, washing. That if we confess that we have made mistakes, if we accept and realise that we need saving, if we accept that saving cannot come within but must come from Jesus Christ, then he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where we are struggling with faith, friends, never forget, faith is a gift from Jesus Christ. And our God is faithful. Salvation depends on the faithfulness of an ever-faithful God. Where we lack so much, Christ is forever strong, forever faithful. I'm going to pray uh, for those of you online to, uh, to leave us. And then I'll call uh, Dalan up to go through some prayer points. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you that we come to you, the faithful God. The God who in all of his ways, all of his plans, all of his dealings with us is faithful, true, wise. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for scripture that is that speaks into the truth of life. We thank you that scripture is not um, painting a picturesque, fake story, but we thank you that scripture is gritty and real and applicable for our lives now. Oh Lord, we pray as we come to a time of prayer now, keep us reminding ourselves not of our sin, of our weakness, but of your greatness. Lord, we thank you that this church is not built on us, but on you. In your power, in your might, and in your strength. Lord, we pray, come amongst us this evening. Bless your church. Use this church for the expansion of your kingdom, for the honour of your name, and for your glory to shine in this place.